today on City Cash Chicago, anyone who has created something, art, music, a book, knows it's a labor of love. So what happens when that labor of love 10 years in the making is stolen and not the idea of it, the actual book? Wherever in the world there are people who really, really want to make things and get them out there, there are also people who can sort of sense the intensity of that desire and position themselves to sort of take advantage of it. We talked to a local writer who got pulled into an international publishing scandal when he was scammed by the Spine Collector. It's Thursday, April 7th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Filippo Bernardini was arrested in January by the FBI and accused of being the Spine Collector. The 29-year-old worked in publishing in London and allegedly conned writers into sending him manuscripts of their unpublished work. What the Spine Collector did with the manuscripts and why is still unknown to the public. One manuscript was Planes, the debut novel by Evanston writer Peter Baker. Baker talked about what happened and the decade he spent shaping the novel. Because I had started writing professionally doing magazine journalism. In some ways that helped me because I was learning things about how you force yourself to finish, how you do a draft and then you do another draft, these sort of basic skills. But also I was holding out the novel as this special on a pedestal other space that was more magical, more precious. That was stopping me from putting some of that finishing pressure on it. Um, and you know, years, I don't want to know how many of the 10 years were spent with me sort of just saying, well, what if I took this minor character and wrote his whole life story out and (laughs) a lot of seeing saying, I'm just going to do this, not because I have a plan for what to do with it, but just to see what happens, see what I learn. It sounded like it was an experiment for a long time. You do some learning, you do some tinkering, you do some learning, you do some changing, you do some writing. And eventually, I eventually... My wife was pregnant, and I thought, let's finish this before the baby comes. <laughs> All right, so you kind of gear up. You you get get your mind ready to to put this 10-year baby uh, out. Can you tell listeners when and how the, the spine collector, as the alleged suspect, is, is deemed? Walk me through how that went down. Had an email that appeared to be an email from my agent. It made reference to my novel by name, which very few people besides my agent knew because uh, the book hadn't really officially gone on the market yet and it hadn't sold yet. So while in retrospect, there were some things about the email that could have made me suspicious, I was not particularly suspicious, in part because I had been up most of the night before (laughs) dealing uh, with my young son and not uh, sleeping that much myself is my defense. (laughs) Uh, This email said, can you please send me a copy of your novel as a Microsoft Word file on the computer I'm working on. I only have it as a PDF. Being sort of brain fried, it didn't ring a lot of alarm bells. I went back to an old email that had the Microsoft Word version manuscript in it, and I forwarded that to my agent. A little while later, I get another email that appears to be from my agent. He says, did you send it? It hasn't come through. Once again, I'd forward it to my agent. A little while later, I get an email that appears to be from my agent, and it says, 
I'm still not getting this. And you know what? We're, we've been having some trouble with our servers at work. There's this way you can get around it. Uh, take my normal email address and change it to whatever at whatever.co and that'll backdoor it. And that's where, you know, telling you this now, I feel really dumb. A little bit after that, me thinking the story is over for the day, my phone rings and it's my agent who has seen the two times that I forwarded him this manuscript. And he said, why do you do, why did you do that? We haven't been in any communication today. <laughs> and I thought, oh, and, and that's when it hits you like mother. Yeah. Ugh. And apparently this guy, this was, this was not new. This was known in publishing that this guy had been around, but, but not for a while, I think. And it was that summer. This was, this, this was fall of 2020, early in the fall of 2020. Many of the targets of this scam didn't want to be identified. And, and again, when you talk about it, there is a level of, uh, of embarrassment people feel, but you wrote about the experience, uh, recently in the New Yorker, why'd you feel that you needed to, to share this experience or you just trying to sell this book? <laughs> I'm always trying to sell my books, but <laughs> I was surprised that once this happened, I thought, and the story became public, I thought someone is going to write about this. Whoever was someone talking about, about this experience, you know, what, it, what is a scam? How does it feel like to be, how do scams feel in particular to writers or in the writing community? And it was so interesting to me that this piece never appeared. And I thought, wow, my presumption is this means people are embarrassed. And that's interesting. Speaking of your writing, I would uh, it'd be lost on me if I didn't mention some of it. Uh, this this passage really stuck out to me. My weariness had failed to protect me and old embarrassments had come rushing to the surface, reminding me of how vulnerable I'd been and perhaps remained. Uh, fictional worlds can be conjured from nothing and they can vanish in an instant. Can you kind of explain what you meant there and what you were going through? I don't think I'm the only uh, writer or artist or creative person who has learned that wherever in the world there are people who really, really want to make things and get them out there, there are also people who can sort of sense the intensity of that desire and position themselves to sort of take advantage of it, to know that the ferocity, sort of burning ferocity of your desire to whatever, to be published, to have the movie made, to have the gallery show, whatever, can make it easy for you to overlook things that you should be paying attention to. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you could transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. 
Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Peter Baker's novel, Plains, isn't set in Chicago, but he says the story is inspired by some early reporting he did in the city. My novel is very much preoccupied with post-9-11 torture interrogation, and a lot of my journalism has been on the same subject, you know, going to Guantanamo, things like that. But moving here, I became very interested in and learned a lot about you know the Chicago police torture scandals. And the thing I've, the thing I've written that by far I'm the most proud of and that the most people have read and that has that I learned the most from and when the first year that it was mandated that in the Chicago high school history classes that they would get a unit on John Burge and the reparations campaign I was the the only person who went and sat in on one of the classes that ended up being something very local that I probably never would have done were it not for my novel uh, did you have to change any of the manuscript following this incident? Did did you feel like you needed to alter any characters or alter any storylines or or did you feel because, you know, it didn't end up on some black market site that you felt comfortable to, to kind of go forward with the vision that you had? I did make changes in the book, but not because of what had happened, just because I sold the book and went through the editorial process and I was making it better. And that that drove me crazy because I hate something other than I hate the possibility of something other than the finished product being out there in any way. It just seemed almost eerie to me. Um, you know, one major plot strand of the book concerns. Uh, He's like, Kobe, you still got to pay for it. So I can't just be giving you all the details. <laughs> yeah. my dog. Um, part of the book deals with nuts. I got to say it without giving it away. Hold on, let me let me turn this for a second. One of one of the central plot elements of the book is the idea of shell companies, companies that exist under false pretenses for the purpose of hiding what another company or entity is really up to. And that's not dissimilar from the methods of this scammer registering all these fake domains as characters in the novel become aware of these ways of operating in in the world, these possible, you know, deceptive shenanigans. Are you mad at the alleged scammer, Filippo Bernardini? I don't know. Definitely, at first, there was a lot of anger in my system. As strange as it seems to say, I, sympathy is probably an overstatement. I've been, I've been calling it sympathy light. <laughs> you know, it's come out through the work of other, through the work of journalists, that about his own ambitions in the literary sphere, his desire to be sort of international literary translator, uh, his desire to sort of rise, to, to climb the ladder in the, the publishing industry, can sympathize with those, the way those ambitions sort of burn inside of you. The desire to climb the ladder will have people doing some, some strange and crazy things. there anything you learned about yourself or your writing throughout this process? I mean, it's not like I thought I was invincible or invulnerable before, but just a reminder, being being out in the world means means being vulnerable.
Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Alderman Ray Lopez of the 15th Ward, which includes parts of Back of the Yards, Brighton Park, and West Englewood, announced he running for mayor in the 2023 election. The two-term alder has been a huge critic of the mayor and police superintendent and a pro-CPD voice in city council. To learn more about the Bring Chicago Home campaign aimed at raising taxes on some of the most expensive property sales to support individuals experiencing houselessness and programs, check out today's newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And some good news to get you through. For the first time since 2019, the Art Expo is back at Navy Pier Festival Hall starting tonight. You might catch me in there over the weekend. As always, I appreciate you for listening. Talk to you soon. Peace. In what ways do you feel more like a East Coaster? Part of it is, I don't know. Part of it is pizza. Part of it is sandwiches. Is bread. Uh, see, you took it. You took it don't away, get me Peter. This, you is, t- this is, this is, this is a, a different conversation. Podcast. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs>